Listener Production. The following episode of Fofop is rated MA. It contains alternating hosts, a rotating roster of guests, and mild course language. Fofop advises that it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15, or anyone who came here looking for one of those highbrow NPR type podcasts. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deeg speaking. Uh, hello and welcome to Fofop Will Anderson with, uh, with Will Anderson. Fofop with Will Anderson. How, I mean, God, how how much could I have fucked up the introduction to the podcast this early on? Hello and welcome <laughs> to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson. That's what I normally say. And then I introduce my guest. Uh, today's guest is a first time Fofop guest, which I'm very excited about because he's somebody that I've wanted to have on the podcast for a very long time. I think he's one of the funniest people going around in the entire world. And uh, his name is Matt Bronger. And and uh, it's nice to have you here, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Will. This is this is awesome. Appreciate it. You have a new album out. Well, special. What is it? An album is special? Uh, it's, what do you, it's, it's what both, do you have out? You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, an, it's an hour of, uh, of, of recorded stories and, uh, you know, D-jokes and things that you can enjoy visually or audibly. So, that, you know, whatever you want to call can, that. Can you tell people uh, what it's called? Yes. It's called Doug. Uh, the name Doug D O U G, and it's named after the worst guy I, I ever met on vacation with my wife. Is Doug um, so. a like prominent American name? Like, was Doug an American? This like was he? Because Doug's a yeah. Doug's a big Australian name, and when I heard is it yeah yeah. Well, I I, I you know I I just want to stress, and I say it on the the podcast. I, I found the fact that he was such a dick odd because every other Doug I've met has been real cool. <laughs> You know, I don't know how it is in Australia. Most Dugs I meet, they're kind of unflappable. They kind of, they're, they're, they're handy. They smoke and or sell weed. You know, it's like they're they're very chill guys. And so meeting this guy who was incredibly judgmental and a dick and kind of racist and, um, you know, a, a, a drunk but not a fun one. You know, it's all, all, all the male negatives you can kind of pull out of your butt would be Doug. But yeah, it's it's... I would say to answer your question, it's 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 relatively common. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, Douglases slash Dougs in in America. Maybe not as much as uh, Australia. Though. Well, you know. you know you don't know, but you answered my question, my next question in in your first answer, which was like stereotypically, what are Dougs like? Because when I think of Doug as well, I very much think of it. I think this has to do with nominative determinism, which is that idea that your name can shape who you are. I feel uh, like they always have the easy confidence of a man who has previously dug a hole. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I feel like if you yeah. if you've managed to dig a hole, you know, in right. your past, there's a, there's an easy confidence you go into the rest of the world where you just sort of say, "I can handle things." If shit yeah. if shit goes wrong, yeah. I, like if if I don't have anywhere to go to the to- toilet, I can dig a hole. If I need to hide yes. from my enemies in a foreign country, I can dig a hole. There's like a I level can dig a of hole. if I need to catch my enemies, yeah. I can dig a hole. Yeah, I it, mean the various uses. <laughs> To extrapolate that even more, it's like there, there's the old uh, hipster jargon of like, yeah, I can dig it, man. Yes. Oh, can you dig this? Can you dig this, brother? You know, it's uh, he's he's been dug. Yeah. Hey, people dig me, man, and I've been dug. I'm dug. He's been I've digging. Been dug. He's been dug for so many years that that is literally who he's become. <laughs> I get that. I've been that. dug for so long, and have, and so many people have dug me. Yeah. So yeah. 
I think there is, yeah, I mean, uh, by the way, I re-fell in love with the name Doug just based on this riff alone. I'm like, <laughs> I, should, I should have a kid just so I can call my kid Doug and give him that, like, <laughs> that bit of privilege. No one ever talks about Doug privilege, but there is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the assumption, and also I, I, I love uh, the idea of a kid with, uh, with a, you know, to me, Doug is a man's name. Yes. Like, you know. Like Rick, mm-hmm. like I used to have an old joke about like if, if you know, I would love to have a baby and name him Rick just to be like, you know, that's my baby. If someone said, have you met my, my kid? He's one. His name's Rick. I would expect to see a kid smoking a cigarette with uh, engine grease on his little his little chubby baby hands, you know. But Doug, Doug is like that. If you had a if you had a, if you had a toddler named Doug, you're like, what is, does he fix things around yeah. the, around the play school? And what's going on? Yeah, we're all, we're all like three years old, but we think the one kid who'll be able to sort out this issue is Doug. Check with Doug. There's, there's a there's a zombie invasion. What, Doug, what do we do? I know you're only five. So then you, the then you find the exception to the Doug rule, which, and again, this reminds me, obviously the most famous, you know, comedy special on the planet in the last few years also had a person's name, Nanette, right? Nanette, And forevermore, the name Nanette is now absolutely 100% all I can think about is Hannah Gadsby's comedy special, right? Yes, like, of, course, of course. Literally somebody, like recently, and this was an older person. So this is a person who's... Older than Hannah Gadsby and yeah. older than the special, obviously, by extrapolation <laughs> on that point, right? And yeah. I got to introduce her and she goes, my name's Nanette. And, like, I was about to go, Nanette, like, and then I realised this is all this woman has heard for the last four years is yeah. Nanette-like. I know there was a lot yeah. of angry male comedians saying this isn't really comedy, but none of them are as oh. angry as this woman whose name is actually yeah. Nanette. <laughs> For the last four years, it's been going. Get in line. Fucking Hannah Gadsby. Yeah. 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 Nanette McDonald is like a word. You, 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 you angry male comics who, yeah. whose specials are not getting noticed or written about at all. You take a seat. Take yeah. a seat for a second. You are not because, the most yeah. aggrieved by this experience. No, no. Because this person's, you know, very unique. Uh, Madonna, Cher, Prince-like-esque, one name, that's your name, Nanette. You wouldn't have, like, I don't think there was, like, a gang of Nanettes. No. You know, there was a time, you know, women in their 80s now, they probably knew so many Dorises. But I don't think there was an, I can't think of a modern era in, in you know, collective modern memory that, like, there were, there were so many Nanettes in those days. Like, not the, not the 90s, not the 80s, not the 70s, not the 60s, not the 50s. I can't. It was like 1800s. That name was hot. Like that name is so old. I'm not sure that it was ever hot. That's what I mean. It might have been one of those ones that has always been around and never had it. Like it's a very unsuccessful sporting franchise. They just have in the league to make up the numbers. Like you know, the good teams have got to beat somebody on the off nights, right? And Mm -hmm. Nanette feels like one of those names where I was like, it was never a popular name. I don't think. And then it becomes so. You know, what, like, I mean, everybody was talking about Nanette, even if people had not seen yeah. the special. It was a, like, you know, worldwide topic of conversation because it was, you know, part, right. part of this moment. So now everybody, yeah. it's the name on the tip of everybody's tongue. And poor mm-hmm. old Nanette. Now, and I imagine, 
Like some things you would think, oh, right, when like Beverly Hills Cop came out, maybe there's a whole bunch of kids called Axel that are going to come out or something, right? But I'm not sure if the sort of people who connected with Hannah Gadsby's Nanette special were then going to say, you know what, I should name my kid after this special. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As much as they might, you know, really appreciate the insight and what it had to say and the platform and everything, it's just, Mm. it's so specific that it's kind of like, it's kind of all or nothing. Oh, they you might, yeah. like, might have thought it was like the best show of all time, but you're like, I don't really want to remind my children of this moment in human yes. history. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I, it's the collective of all of it. You know, it's, it's kind of like naming your kid Norm after, you know, Norm from Cheers. Yeah. It's like, sure, it was funny, but <laughs> he was never not drinking and he was very overweight. And it's not, he hated his wife. I you know, it's that. like there's. <laughs> He was trapped in this one bar where everybody knew his name and all these stories. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And it, it, it was kind of the flip of the theme song where it's like, that's not necessarily the best thing. You yeah. know, it's something to be desired, but you go too far, you're in norm territory. Yeah. Uh, so exactly. speaking of Hannah Gadsby, so we continue yes. this along. So Hannah Gadsby <laughs> finishes like her show, Nanette, and she decides, I'm going to do another show, and I'm going to name this show after somebody as well. And that show mm-hmm. is called Douglas. And you yes. have released an album called Doug. Now, do you... Called Doug. Yeah. Now, do you fear that there's going to be any confusion between Hannah uh, Gadsby's Douglas I, and your you know, Doug? I feel like Douglas and Doug, mm. of course, it's the same word shortened. But or name shortened specifically, but I, at the same time, I think they're so different. You know, to me, it's it's almost like Richard and Dick. Yeah. Like they're so <laughs> so related, but not. It's kind of like when you're a kid and you have that one uncle that's like, man, this, you know, Uncle Steve is the most fun, and then you meet an Uncle Steven is just a twat. Like you hate that guy. You're like, I, this guy's such an asshole. You know, like Steven, Steven. It's uh, it, it, I I feel like it's removed enough, and and also. I liked the fact that I didn't put a lot of thought into the name of this special. You know, like I have, I, I, I just was like, I'll just, I'll name it after the closing story. I'll just call the whole thing Doug. Because I personally have a real, I love that she called one Nanette and one Douglas. And I didn't even think about uh, her in terms of how she, her naming process, but it, it does and it doesn't have stuff to do with the special. And it's a bit of a toss off. I, 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 I really have a problem with specials that are just an incredibly catchy phrase that sum it all up. Like that drives me insane. <laughs> like it, 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 it just, it, it's, it, it, I don't know. I, I just, I, I feel like it'd be like if, it, if, a, if like a party heavy metal rock band had a, had a, a thing that just was super, I don't know, like they, they would take all the fun out of it. If they're just like, there's so much poetry in this name and you're like, I don't care, man. Would you just sing about your dick? Just yeah. stop. I don't care. man. Stop. <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> you know, like there, I, a friend of mine has a special out right now and it's it's got this kind of a very, you know, evocative sum up, like little catchy name for it. And it just I don't like it. <laughs> He's like, that's too clever, man. That's Sorry, too man. smart. That says yeah, too, too much. It's, no, it's not even that it's smart. It's just almost like, you know, I, I feel like comedy. I, comedy is my favorite thing, but it's it's to be made fun of. And it's and it's it's it. Anytime it takes itself seriously, okay. you know, it kind of drives me crazy. I actually didn't have any problem with Nanette and what 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 she did in, in that one. I thought it was fascinating. I was like, it's not what I do. 
and it's not exactly what I look for, but wow, you, you move the needle in a fascinating way. You got the world talking about a comedy special, which no one does. There, I feel like people give shit about comedy specials as much as they care about like learning about news at the DMV. Like they don't, no one cares. You know, it's, it's you know, it, they're constant and they're everywhere. And so for her to break through, more power to her. Uh, but like, it's, it's, I, I feel like people have these, they, they kind of, anytime it, it, it's very, I guess what it is, is being very clever. Like, oh, that's a really incredibly clever name. I just immediately go snore. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You know. <laughs> that's just me. That's just me. I know what you mean about the cultural conversation, though, because, like, I mean, I, I love when Annette comes along, but I love when Bo Burnham's show comes along. Anything, anything that people outside comedy yeah, then engage in comedy and see what people yes. are capable of making in comedy is a good thing. I mean, I, I love that, and I love when it becomes part of the – it goes outside the comedy world's conversation about comedy and actually becomes part of the broader world's conversation about comedy. Yeah. And especially, you know, it was like when Bo got angry, uh, it was so like that new special, that last special is furious. And it, I loved, I mean, obviously I loved it. Everyone loved it, but it's just like, I still sing the Jeff Bezos song to myself and just laugh out loud. Cause it's such a fuck you. It's just like, yeah, you're the richest man. And so, but it's like the whole thing. It's like Jeffrey Bezos, you did it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I know. Well, it's kind of what you're saying, which is it could be like I mean, some of his stuff is so incredibly clever and knows that it's clever and showing and is showing off the fact that it is clever. Mm, whereas that, sure. whereas that Jeffrey Bezos thing, he could have executed in the same way as his internet song or the same way as you know one of these more complex pieces because we know he can do that. The fact that he chose to just do it in such a short, you know, kind of snappy, dismissive "fuck you" way was the point. Like you know, yeah. He was, oh, yeah. Because even that hook, oh, yeah. like you said, that hook is so catchy that you could easily <laughs> like make that in like, the, yeah, you can see the three and a half minute song that has that mm -hmm. catchy hook, but he's just like, nah, fuck it. This is it. This no, is exactly. all. Um, yeah. And I feel like he's almost frustrated by like his own, his own level of, um, of aptitude. Like he's just so good at all that yeah. stuff he did in it, but he's <laughs> miserable. <laughs> And you're like, oh yeah, I see why. I see why John Lennon spent years in his apartment just smoking weed all day and just being like, just doing nothing. You're like, you know, just it's just like tossing tossing off brilliance. You know, it's like uh, uh, I don't know. I feel like us 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 uh, dumb people are a little happier. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think there might be something to be said about that. So tell me about your. Just for people who don't know you, like, you know, sure. people are, like, there'd be a lot of Australian listeners who might not, like, you know, might not necessarily, this might be the first time they're getting to hear from you, sure. really, down here. Sure. So tell them a little bit about how you found comedy. Like, where were you from? What were you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what yeah. was it that you liked that got you into comedy? Like, give people a bit of the backstory. Yeah, I, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, which is a, a city, I, I used to say it's, it's, I used to call it a city of hideous art uh, when I was a kid. Like very, everybody was doing all kinds of things, and you know, which I I, I love the free expression. But I remember going to like some of these street markets and being like, "Why are you selling these paintings? Like, stop!" You know. And I I I, I, I had a I used to have a bit about um, how 
you know, you can't, guys get mad when um, rents rise and you can't uh, pay rent with paintings. You're done with your penis anymore. It's, yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> my parents and my parents took me to a lot of a uh, lot of performance art, yeah. a lot of plays. I saw comedy, um, but I grew up just really. I was always. It, George Carlin albums, Richard Pryor album, Lily Tomlin. So I already, my parents were already, they loved to laugh. My mother's very funny. My dad's very deadpan and funny. And so I went to, I went to college in New York. It just, I, I was an actor since I was a kid. And then I got into stand up by just going and doing open mics in Chicago. And in Chicago, I met a lot of the people that your listeners uh, might know, like uh, Hannibal Burris and Camille Nanjiani and uh, Cal Kinane, who is uh, still like uh, one of my best friends. And we moved to Los Angeles together and we got into uh, comedy uh, that way. So since then, I was on uh, I was a I was a performer on Mad TV. I've done Letterman. I've done every major late night show, uh, you know, and I put out. I think it, I think it's now five specials and maybe six albums or something. So I'm kind of to quote uh, uh, what's his name uh, from I want to say Joseph Campbell, but that's the uh, hero's journey guy, the guy from um, Evil Dead. Uh, Sam uh, Raimi. What is his name? Hey, Sam Raimi created Evil Dead, but the guy who starred. Uh, Bruce Campbell. Um, Bruce, thank you, Bruce Campbell. <laughs> that's another man's name. You can't have a baby named Bruce. Um, he. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he he described his his acting work. He's like, you know, I, I prepare, but in the end, I'm just a ham and egger. You know, yeah. I, 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 it's a, to me, it's a job. I do it as well as I can yeah. and I leave it behind. So it's like I, I uh, you know, I, I, I don't ap- uh, approach comedy um, the, the, the way, you know, say – Let's uh, Robert De Niro would probably approach acting, especially in his younger days. It's not. It's 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 something I've I've always been class kind. I've always been someone who can riff and make funny things up, but also recreate stories from my life, and that's kind of what I've been known for the most. Uh, I have a huge um, uh, group of people who only know me through like my albums, and I have uh, several stories that are on my albums that I've heard generations of high schooler and college kids often inebriated they would like we would put that song on or that bit on like a song at parties in my dorm room <laughs> and everyone would do your shit stuff along with you so you know it, it's not I, I don't have a thing that's like uh oh you know me as sam mm. from the tv show cheers you know i'm referencing cheers a second time and I don't know why, but uh you know it, it, but it's like it's kind of all over the place you know my yeah. my opening line in in uh in doug is look uh don't be intimidated by my celebrity Yes, yes, I was on the uh, the Halloween episode of iCarly in 2007. <laughs> yes, it's me. It's really me. You know, because uh, it's, you know, it's, it's just I'm in have an egger. I just take the work as it comes. And in the, in the meantime, I try to, you know, like yourself, put out as much things that reflect my sensibility and my point of view as possible. Okay. So so that's, yeah. So I'm interested in that. So firstly, I've got to let you know just quickly on the way through that when I was at university, the suburb that I lived in in Canberra was called Bruce after a former prime minister of Australia. So Bruce, not only. Wait, his last name was Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. His last name was Bruce. Wow, like yeah. Robert the Bruce. Yeah, like that was okay. yeah, he was it was his brother Stanley the Bruce. <laughs> so. Stanley, Stanley the Bruce. Say, for, for some reason it sounds so much worse. It sounds so Listen, 
We had Robert the Bruce. Is he was going to lead us into battle, guys? Can we gather up? Can we gather up? He died of influenza. So now we have Stanley. There, and oh, yeah. come on, but we're never going to win. Stan- Stanley. He's been doing all the accounts for the entire <laughs> war, guys. Like he- Stanley, can you say? Yeah. Can you get on your horse and say a couple words? Yeah. Guys, I think it's going to be fine. <laughs> we are massively over budget on arrows, though. So if you could really. <laughs> We're going to have to sell half of our armaments. <laughs> Um, no, so anyway. I, I love this idea of you know, where you see your role within the industry because, like, I, it is. Because you are honestly, and I, I mean, I said it in the, in, in the introduction, but people who listen to this regularly know that, like, you know, I mean, obviously I only have people on the show that I like anyway, but you are so funny. Like, that's what, it, like, you, my main Thank thing you. that I would say about you to people is that you're just so funny. I've never, like, not seen you at a show or, like, do a spot, do a thing, whatever, where I've just not thought that was just really funny you know like it, it's very funny first and it makes sense in the way you describe it because it very much is this idea of yeah i'm looking at what's funny first rather than what that sort of second step is it might it it certainly can become more than that like you know it can grow mm. into something that says more about the human condition than it just being funny but it feels like you have a funny first approach to things yeah i i, I feel like it my you know Richard Pryor was always the the idol for me because he was so human. Where people go, oh, he cursed so much, but it's like, but you wouldn't even notice. I mean, that, that guy talked about the worst aspects of life from him, and it was it was such a position of uh, guys. I'm so scared right now, <laughs> and I, I feel like I inhabit that in so many of my stories where I I am like you know, for example, I was saying how people will play my bits at parties. And, and the biggest one that I hear the most is a bit called Ghost of the Two Man Party, which is an actual story about my friend and I in college. We were at his mom's house. She was out of town and we we couldn't, we, there was no one wanted to hang out. So we just got wasted, just two guys in a house and we're listening to music and getting high and drinking. And then at a certain point we're like, all right, let's go to bed. And there was a bed in the basement that was made that none of us touched. And there was a can of Guinness that was open. And he's like, hey, I brought this back from Ireland. This was on my shelf, you scumbag. Why'd you open this? And I'm like, I didn't. And so he went through the house with weapons, opening all the closets and things, and eventually decided it was a ghost. And then we basically were like, okay, we believe in ghosts and good night. Like, that's how tired we were. Like, I don't care. It's a ghost. It could possess either one of us. It's time for sleep. And I'm not doing the bit. I'm telling it as a story. We went to bed the next day, uh, uh, a woman came out of the basement where she'd been hiding. So uh, a, a tiny transient woman had been in the house. And at that point I scream, the whole night, the whole night. Like I scream and the peep, like people would listen to it and they'd all scream, the whole night. And I've had people ask me if that really happened, you know, a thousand times. And I would say yes. And the reason why people laugh so hard is because it's horrifying. So that's one example of inhabiting the fear in everyday life. Because if you really get down to it, life is terrifying on a molecular level. You know, we are constantly fighting to exist, everything on this earth. And so, sorry for the perspective that gave uh, people who are on any sort of cyclist, 
uh, psychedelic drugs, drugs right now. If you're listening. Uh, honestly, yeah. if you're uh, on psychedelic drugs right now and you've decided to listen to this podcast, you've already made your own choices about how you thought yeah. this might go. So you effed, you effed up, man. Well, uh, uh, it, it was the experience they were looking for. Like you know, sometimes it's true. It's true. Sometimes yeah. people yeah. want to like take mushrooms and walk in a forest, and sometimes people mm-hmm. want to take heavy psychedelics and listen to a podcast. Sure, it <laughs> could go anywhere, and just hold Absolutely. on and see where that shit goes. Absolutely. So I only bring that story up because it's like that is that I, people identify with the, the, the uh, that would have scared the crap out of me. But there's other ones where things are embarrassing or things are, you know, it's kind of like taking the negative and making it a fun thing. So how, you know? how much then of your life does that? Uh, so, I mean, firstly, to be the sort of per- person who tells stories about their life on stage, you have mm. you have to have a life. It's a good business. Yes. It's a good business yes. model for actually being able to balance your work and your life because mm. integral to your actual work is getting out there to have a life, to, you know, enjoy, right. enjoy right. the world, to create stories. You know, you can't just sit sure. around at home and try to think about things that happen in college that you're going to run out of things eventually. So you've got to actually go and do things as well. So how was that then during that couple of years where it was a lot harder to do things? I would answer that in two, two short parts. One, I would say it's not as hard as you you might be laying it out to be because it's like to, to quote a great bit I saw yours recently about the, um, the, (laughs) There's two women talking about why they don't wear masks. Oh. And I, you know, the, the, they wipe the kid's memory, this mm. thing of, uh, and I also uh, ha, come from arguably the land of created uh, science fiction that came from 2020. You know, various Mary Shelley's without the intelligence were creating these <laughs> entire world of, of what ifs. Well, what if they're doing that? There's a microchip in the, in the, in the vaccine and we're all carrying microchips in our, effing pockets made by apple side note anyway uh but you know you just heard one exchange and you made a whole thing so it's like that's a telling a story from your life and your but what you did was walk them through the audience through you know uh the various explosions in your mind that happened (laughs) and that's based on alarm of like what well, why is this person driving an actual vehicle that could kill someone at any moment if they chose to veer one way or the other? You know, like this person should not be allowed into society if you believe that kind of thing can happen. Um, so but in terms of the lockdown, my wife and I, uh, I talk about this on Doug, but we um, we were going to drive. Uh, we're going to rent a Winnebago and drive it up from uh, Los Angeles to Portland, uh, where I grew up, where my parents still live, which takes about a day and a half. And, you know, no contact, bring enough food for the journey, kind of just road warrior it, to use a, a, a Australian uh, reference yes. of respect. Thank, thank uh, you for pandering Matt, to Matt us. Max it all. <laughs> take, a, take a not so furious road up there. Uh, and then, uh, you know, but uh, Oregon caught fire. Like half the state just went because of the because of climate change. And mm. that state was never supposed to have a lack of moisture on that level at that point of the year. And so those trees became tender. You couldn't even get through Ashland. And then so we were like, oh, let's stay in L.A. And then L.A. Uh, got jealous of Portland like it does. And it caught fire, too. And so we lost our minds and decided to just drive uh, from L.A. to Boston, which is about uh, – 3,300 uh, miles. I'm not sure what that would be in kilometers, um, but a lot, a lot. And uh, we also were driving an electric car with California plates. 
during an election year <laughs> through the South, which is, it's just, it's just, you can't, it checks, it checks all the boxes for stories, you know? And the, 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 the thing was, I, all the stories I got from it, uh, you know, I didn't even use near all of them on the special, partially because so many of them were just overwhelmingly positive. You know, I, I had every stereotype upended wherever I went, which I was I was pleasantly surprised by, I, I you know, I'm sure you, you know, you travel, you you do stand up all over the world. So I'm sure you have a better perspective of where we are as a society than most people. And I feel like I have that in a sense of 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 uh, of the states because I do go everywhere and I'll be like. Uh, someone is like, oh, I hear that place the worst. I'll be like, no, 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 this one is. No, 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 this is fine. You know, because <laughs> because all it is 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 I I feel like we're all just living in this kind of bad carrier pigeon age where it's all clickbait, where it's all kind of like this this is what you should be enraged about. You know, these are the what these people are saying. It's almost like you when you turn on the news and there'd be all these people that are against something for the best possible reason. They're like, well, let's talk to these seven people over here with a weird sign. Now, what do you think? You know, and it's just like, why are you talking to the crazies? Why this, they don't represent anyone, you know? Well, so, I anyway. mean, that's uh, the general re- re- like revelation about society though, is that if you aren't listening to the crazy people, and I mean that mm-hmm. on, on every side, the people who believe right, most right. passionately in whatever the, particular thing is is at the extreme of the belief if you're not listening to them most people get along fine right oh my god (laughs) i've said it so many times everybody wants the same thing like in in our base level the same thing like heaps of the same things like we enjoy (laughs) we enjoy so many things in common you would not believe like if you make a list of what people enjoy in common it is you can go real deep before you find any area that they will disagree on. Like particularly (laughs) if you're willing to say, look, you might like support a different sporting team, but do you agree in the idea of like you like this game? Or let's pull it back a bit, that you like sport. Or you think that people going to sport is a thing that people can enjoy. Like we'll find a place where we can agree on this. Like if we go go down to the nuts and bolts, yeah, there might be some things that we start to disagree about. Like, you know, you might be – maybe the travel rule isn't enforced enough in the NBA. Maybe that is something you do have a specific take on. But but pull back a little – do you like the right. idea that there's basketball? Is that fine? Oh yeah, gonna... <laughs> exactly. You could you could be like, yeah, you could be like, I I like basketball. This other guy's like, well, I like rugby, and uh, yeah. and one guy's like, well, I don't even like sports. Yeah. And you're like, well, do you like an exciting event? Yeah, right. and Like you know, I do. I do like an exciting event. People you know, getting it's, together it's... and enjoying something together. Are you fine yes. with that? <laughs> a, a, a moment that will pass and never come again. Maybe we should enjoy it together. You know, it's it's. So, so it, yeah. something that isn't really that important, but people have decided is important for that moment right. because it's like a oh. ritual. Absolutely, <laughs> I love it. I lo- <laughs> I'll tell you, like you know, I my my wife loves Las Vegas, mm. and I uh, used to hate it because I, before I really knew it, I was playing it, and you know, just opening for other comics and yeah. like you know, eating in the cafeteria level of the casinos, which I describe as like the Irish level, the Titanic, but not fun. And, uh, it, 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 but now I like, I love Vegas because I love going with her because she knows how to play all the games. Right. And I just kind of bet how she bets. And I love going to the sports book 
and just looking at the lines and making, you know, you go get your coffee in the morning and you go, you go make, you make your bets for whatever teams and the games are later. So you're like, oh, I wonder how I'll do. And it's like, even if you miss a game, you're like, oh, hey, I'm up. I want a hundred dollars. That's great. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's fun, but it wouldn't be fun if I was like, I hate gambling or if I was like, I, I can't stop gambling. <laughs> it's that it's that in between. I think that's what everyone wants on on every kind of level. But it's such a good example yeah. that you bring up because, like, I'm a person who doesn't gamble, like, at all. Like, just like, it's just never been of interest to me. Sure, like, it, I get that. And and I'm like, also, I just I always feel like my money that I've earned doing like telling jokes to strangers already feels like profits of gambling. I, 100%. I already feel like you know I've always thought. Yep. It, Particularly touring stand-up comedians, I always like that movie Rounders. Remember that Matt Damon movie about the p- poker players? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite stand-up movies because I think you literally, they could all just be stand-up comedians. It's that, oh my that, God. that kind of cr- so right. crew of people who have this certain like you know, level of skill. Like some will do better on a night than others, but they're all sort of in the game and they just go into any town and they can sniff out where the game is on town. It's like, where are people oh, getting yeah. up tonight, right? Like, And then they go mm-hmm. down and they test yeah. themselves against the locals. But it's also like whatever town I could go to, I can find a way to like shake some money out of people's pockets, basically. <laughs> like, yes. like, so yeah. so yeah. I already you, I, I already yeah. feel like I've like, you know, you, Kenny, Kenny, uh, Kenny style, I've got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them and know when to walk yes. away. And I'm like, I'm walking away with the profits of the gamble I've taken on my career. Um, yes. So <laughs> I don't want to gamble. Um, and yes, absolutely. You can see the addictive downsides of gambling, the way it can destroy sure. people's lives, particularly like of course. slot machines and stuff that are programmed, like the algorithmically programmed to just essentially hook people in and like then just rip them off of their money. Right. Yes. But yes. Like, but, but then you take that approach that we were talking about, which is, do I think that there are a whole bunch of people who get joy out of this in quite a harmless way? Do I agree that like, Mm -hmm. it's fun that there's some place where people can go and see these big shows and do these things and like go crazy? Yes. I'm in favor of that. I don't need to do it. Like people can go and do it there. And they're also, those people who want to do that aren't going to be in the way of me at whatever I'm at. Like, you know what I mean? Oh my God. Yeah. You you just nailed life, really, because uh, it's 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 really comes down to you don't like that thing, don't do it. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it 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 it. I feel like it comes down to that in terms of governance. It comes down to that in terms of uh, judging art. It comes down to that in terms of you know. I mean, I felt so much more free when instead of <laughs> hearing a uh, let's say music I don't like or you know, a piece of art I didn't like, or someone's act that I was like, that sucks. Instead of saying like, that sucks, I'd be like, oh, well, that's, I don't think that's for me. Because some people were getting real joy out of it, you know? And and, and I feel like not enough of us do that. Like we kind of want, we wanted the end all be all. And sadly, it's often the older folks, like where it's kind of, you get yourself in a rut when you're like, well, it was better in my day. It's like, no, you were just younger and had more joy and optimism and your body felt better. You know, it wasn't necessarily better. It, yeah. it is. You were better in your day is what they're yes. saying. I was yes. better in my day. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same now and it's moved on mm-hmm. and I'm mad yeah. at that because I used to be really good at this and now it's got oh. harder. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Yeah, it's like the 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 brother in a Napoleon Dynamite who wants to go back to his football days, and he's like, "Do they have a machine that can, you can go back in time? Is that a thing? Do you know if science has created?" <laughs> yeah, he just wants to throw the football again in high school because that that was his peak. I think that a lot with comedy, like when people talk about it, it, I mean, it's a debate everywhere around the world in comedy and it's much more a debate outside when we talk about things outside comedy that infect into comedy. What I mostly hear this conversation around, you know, cancel culture or whatever it might be, you know, like, you know, what you can say or people complaining that things, you know, you can't say what you used to be able to say in the old days. Um, Often it's introduced by the media to comedians more than comedians are like, because we see comedy and we see that people are saying whatever the fuck they want to say all the time. Like it doesn't, (laughs) there's, there's like our daily experience of comedy is always so foreign to somebody saying, how do you like the question I get asked in interviews all the time? Like, how do you negotiate doing comedy in these modern day times where you can't say anything anymore? And I was like, where, where can't you say anything anymore? What are you (laughs) like? Yeah, I, I feel like we we understand that that our our business is a business of context. It's everything is is in the delivery. It's in the it's in inhabiting uh, uh, whatever viewpoint you're presenting or the characters within them. So it, a, anything can be said. Uh, you know, Doug Stanhope. I feel like he nailed it when he said that stand up is the last bastion of actual free speech because you can you really can say anything. You might get booed off stage. People might laugh, not laugh, and you just hear someone cough in the background, like on the like on the Simpsons. Anytime someone <laughs> eats it on stage, but like you know, it, 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 in the end, you can say anything. And I've heard comedians say everything as offensive as a, as you can imagine, but they contextualized it. Whether it was someone in the story that just yelled it in a in a you know in an IKEA, or they. Uh, presented it as you know an uh, uh an anti-opinion or, or whatnot you know i mean it, it's you really can do anything it just has to be delivered well and it has to be you know you you have to you have to deliver the context you that's that's really what it comes down to so when i read it in print i go okay well what was the bit yeah can i see the bit yeah because I, I i'm this is giving me nothing yeah how did he you know? how did he say this sentence right yes and and there are comedians for sure who veer towards edgy because they think edgy sells but it's like not it it doesn't it doesn't edgy by itself i mean eddie murphy had that bit about how you know people think he just gets up on stage and it's like bitch motherfucker shit and everyone cheers and throws million dollars at him, <laughs> at him. But it's like, no it, it wasn't the cursing it was like the guy had an unbelievable sense of humor and timing and and also uh I've still see, never seen a more confident human being on stage in my life than him when he was like 19. You know, it was like in, you know, it was like it was like seeing a, my, a mythical creature he, or something, he like is not a, from this earth. Here's a question I love to ask stand-up comedians, and you've come to it very naturally, which is the Eddie Murphy question. So. Let's and look. This is based on a very like like this is a very generalized. You know, it, it becomes less about Eddie and and more about mm-hmm. just a general question about comedy. So, like, sure. people can have specific arguments about this, but the premise of this idea is that Eddie Murphy at eighteen, nineteen, twenty is the biggest comedian in the entire world. Like, you know, like he mm. releases a couple of specials. He's like, yes. you know, as as huge as any stand up comedian is worldwide. 
Right. But then he is so big that he never really does stand up, you know, comedy again in a realistic fashion, right? Like he doesn't right. he doesn't right. have that natural what the rest of us have is that 10 years, then 20 years, then 30 years and like I mean, I've been doing it 20, 27 years now and I feel like my voice is still really evolving. I feel like the last thing I did was probably the most accurate to who I am and what my comedic voice is that I have ever been. Now, everyone yeah. has the fantasy that, of course, when you're 18 or 19, you might burst onto the scene and suddenly be the biggest comedian in the entire world. But, <laughs> of course. But the premise is this. You either get to do that, you either get to be the biggest comedian in the world at 18 or 19, but your voice is stuck there forever and you don't get to, like, you know, evolve as a comedian, like, you know, as a stand-up comedian, as a live performer. Um, or um, obviously you get the, you know, what the rest of us mostly have got, which is the opportunity to grow your voice and grow into, you know, what it is you say and how you want to say it. So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, obviously the first one comes with riches and fame and all those sort of things, but, it, like, let's go with the premise that it becomes with that that's where your comedy is stuck forever. When people look at the best of what you did, they're going to find – really homophobic and sexist and like, you know, th- things that have dated really, really badly in a modern context of comedy, as opposed to what Eddie Murphy might be doing now if he just, you know, you had the same skills, but just had the more natural progression that every, even that maybe like a Chris Rock or somebody had, like that it just took longer and like you had more opportunity mm. to keep growing your voice. Which of those yeah. two do you go for? Do you just cash Ooh. in? Do you just say 18 or 19, no. fuck it, I'll be the biggest thing in the world? Or do you go on the long journey? I, I think it's like despite him playing like the Aloha Bowl in, in Hawaii, mm. which is a stadium, and just selling it out like tw- two nights in a row or something insane, and and all the success it led to, it definitely was like that was that era where, like for example, the biggest community now would be like Kevin Hart. If Kevin Hart had that and – you know, he did it. He translated his stand-up into movies, but they weren't movies that were like, you know, just shooting a missile through the moon big. Like Beverly Hills Cop hit like a comet and like 48 hours. Like it was just hit after hit after hit because the translate translation was so pure um, because it was like, oh, it's Eddie. He was one of those guys that everybody just loved right away. You know, only thing I could possibly compare it to in my memory would be like uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller, which was inescapable. You know, despite all that, I think I would go progressive uh, of your life, you know, to just, you know, keep developing and, and keep doing not only because I love to do it, but also because I'm sure Eddie Murphy looks back on the fact that his first line in Delirious is I don't want any faggots looking at my ass. You can feel the heat, you know, and it's like. Okay, I get the bit, and you could translate that to any sort of lustful gaze, but it's, there are bits in that thing that are so hateful of, of, of homosexuality and homosexuals uh, that are undeniably funny, but also like, Jesus Christ. And like, it didn't click with me when I was a kid. And I'm not calling him out for that because I had, I, 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 I used the word tranny on one of my bits from literally 12 years ago. And I had uh, a, a trans woman call me on it online and we engaged in a dialogue. And I it was, a, it was a toss up. It's not even something I thought about, but I did use it as pejorative. And, you know, not proud of that, but I feel like you have to develop. And I feel like Eddie Murphy has developed leaps and bounds. You know, like, you know that guy has gay friends. You know that thing has, has, has grown. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things where 
and I, I picked the worst thing because I feel like when you 18 and 19 successful or or not, even with all the perspective he certainly had by that point, you're still a dumb shit. With respect to people who are who are teenagers and late late teenagers, but, but you, you, I mean, you don't know that you, you are, just, but you like no, you will, you will later not. on go yeah. to learn that you were, and right. the idea right. that we even trust people that age to make major decisions about what they're going to do with their lives, like which we do as a society, that's just a general vibe of like decide now what you're going to go to college for or got your, what you're going to go and work <laughs> as, and I'm like. Gee, I wouldn't trust those decisions to eighteen year olds. <laughs> no, I mean eighteen year old no. me. Like, um, so oh, God. Th- I, you got to the real heart of what it is that I what like I find interesting about this like conundrum because I agree with you that I'm sure that Eddie Murphy has absolutely evolved in his opinions. The problem is mm-hmm. he was so successful at eighteen or nineteen that we haven't been able to see that evolution. Like, yeah. I, I'm with you, of course. It's true. Uh, and trans true. people is a good example because. Yeah, it's only recently become something that is part of the popular conversation around, you know, Mm -hmm. correct language. We're hearing more from trans people to be able to hear what their perspective on is on these things and like and and understand why a joke that you might not have even thought about being offensive might be offensive. Like in context, you go, oh, okay, well, and if you're a good person, you take that on board and you go, well, it doesn't mean I can't joke about topics still. It just means I would have a different perspective on these topics, use different language, you know, kind of understand what these you know, characters are in this story and why I'm using this character in this particular way in this story or this term in this story. Like they're all yeah. things that we have the luxury to do. And you hope yes. as a comedian that people follow you as much for the journey of growth, you know, the idea that they right. they love to see that you're like, ah, oh, you've evolved through this and you may be talking about something you talked about five years in a very different way and I can see the growth in you. Whereas for Eddie, we haven't been – we have to assume the growth is there, but we haven't no, been I, able yeah. to see it. Exactly, and it's a shame. And, it, and you bring up a, a great point that I feel like our – I always, you know, they, they always say the, the – the, what you're striving for the most is to find your voice on stage when you're starting out. But I would argue you kind of never stop because your voice does change. Um, you know, your inner voice, meaning who you are. And, you know, it, 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 you, could, you could talk about anything, but it's all about what is your, how do you feel? How do you feel? Not in terms of, hey, we all feel this, right? Because that's a politician. And that leads to <laughs> clapter, which drives me crazy. Um, you know, but, you know, <laughs> but I, I, I feel like it's like, I, I want to know your angle. I, I was, I, there's a, there's a great comic. Uh, there's a friend of mine named, uh, Caleb Huron, who has done amazing things online. Um, and he's a great stand up, and he's a young guy and he's, he's gay. And we were talking about, you know, I was, I, I was talking to, um, this, this friend of mine, who's a, who's a writer, who's very young and she has a lot of trans friends. And one trans friend um, decided to kind of make up a name for themselves that was really weird and out there. And her friends collectively were like, we're not calling you that. And I was talking to Caleb about that. Like it was, and she was laughing about that. She's like, stop, you know? <laughs> and I was talking to Caleb about that. And Caleb was like, here's how I look at it. And I'm, I'm only bringing this up because yeah. this is his perspective. Yeah. It's not necessarily mine, but I, I found it very funny. He was like, I will stand up for you. I will fight for your rights. I will pick you up from the airport at 3 a.m. But if you're my friend, I will make fun of you the rest of your and my fucking life for whatever I want. You know, and it, it is that thing where, yes, because that's friendship. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, and he, he's not saying that to be mean. He's not saying I want a friend I can make fun of. 
But it's like, you can, what, 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 you define you. But if I find something funny, I'm making fun of it, you know, kind of thing. And, and, the, and so the, the, I, the converse of that, which I, because I love that, by the way, because I think that's true. And I think it's the thing that we also like lose track of on the converse, which is when somebody says something publicly that they right. go, when someone says that, you know, it, often it's used as an excuse. People go, oh, they said, oh, I've got a gay friend or I've got a black friend or I've got a whatever right, friend, sure. right? Of course, like, of course. Like, here's the justification. But I actually think the truth sometimes is that they genuinely do have a black friend, a gay friend or whatever it is that they're referencing in this and they speak to them the way that friends speak to each other. So you can uh -huh. make that joke or that reference or use that term because it's a friendship group where that's accepted part of the, the tribe's pattern of talking to each other. What the right. person hasn't realized is that doesn't mean you can then take that way of speaking about that group of people or whatever out into the, the world where suddenly you're out of that group. And so often yeah. when somebody says, but I've got a blah, blah, blah friend and everyone's like, oh, look at them saying they've got, I think actually what we miss is yes. And that fooled them into thinking that they can yes. speak to everyone the way that they speak to their friend, which is not what they should be doing. That's not what any exactly. of us should be doing. And, and, and I always feel like, you know, my, my wife is always the one who's just like, there's, you have, you have too, too much extraneous information in your jokes sometimes. Where it's just, <laughs> I'll just go off on a tangent. It's just like, get to the freaking joke, man, you know? And I feel like that, right, right then, what you said, if someone was, say, doing a joke about their black friend, but before that joke, they told the entire story of the relationship. It's like, all right, snooze, and gong, hit, you know, get off stage because it's like you didn't get to the joke fast enough because you're 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 you're, you're, you're trying to bring yourself in for a soft landing before you give us, you know, what what your angle on it is, you know. And, and so now I'm going to like argue with your wife because like I think that one of the great things about your jokes is the extraneous oh, is the extraneous <laughs> information because that's part of the joy. It's like sometimes. Like getting to the joke is I was talking, it was so funny. I was doing an interview about my book yesterday and uh, there's, a, there's a story in there, like it's 3,000 words about me seeing an echidna in my backyard and what I, like, I mean, what I didn't know is that I'd accidentally eaten magic mushroom chocolate that morning. Like I thought it was cooking chocolate in the fridge. That's and great. anyway, I see this echidna in the backyard and – the journey is 3,000 words of what goes on in my mind as someone who didn't know it. that they were on mushrooms seeing an echidna in the backyard, right? But the right. actual story, so I'm on this interview and they, like, they love this story and like, because I go on quite a spiritual journey as well and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and, they really, sure. and they say, can you tell the story? And I say, well, the story technically is I saw an echidna walk 20 meters. Like, that's it. That's not, like, I mean, that's, yeah. that's all that actually happened. There is no more to that's, the story. Like, that's the Ernest Hemingway version yeah, of your book. That's right. Yeah. A sentence. Yeah, exactly. You know? Echidna yeah. walked through garden. <laughs> that's it. That's the there, whole story. <laughs> There, 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 there was a great bit, uh, bit of humor writing that was um, famous writers rewrite uh, Why Did the Chicken Cross the Road? And Hem Hemingway's was to die, period, in the rain, period. <laughs> <laughs> like no context. <laughs> so I love someone who adds context or adds a diversion that adds to the overall stuff. I mean, there's a... I Shaggy dog nature like to your storytelling that is important to actually, you know, because sometimes you've also got to understand the context of you for like, like 
if if like if one of your jokes is about like essentially at the heart of it, there's like a homeless woman living in the like the basement of somebody's house. Like it's it's not sure. like that could be a really quite dark story or a bad someone could mm-hmm. have a bad take on that, right? Where right. The, that person was the butt of the joke. If you don't understand yes. the context of who you are, who your friend mm-hmm. is, where you're coming right. from, that this story yes. is about you guys thinking there's a ghost. It's not about the fact that like there's a home. Like, do you mean like that context is all very important to like finding the humor in what could, could you know, in a different take, not be a humorous story at all. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when I told the story to friends the next day, it wasn't funny. Yeah. It was just scary. And, 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 Oh my God. But the more I thought about it and extrapolated how it made me feel that night where it was literally one of those things where, you know, those, those nights where you really strap it on and just get hammered and then something really serious happens and boom, you're sober. Like it was like that. And we were each holding weapons going literally door to door in the house, like the shittiest SWAT team you ever heard of. I think, you know, he had, um, uh, a, in the, in the bit, I say that, I think one of us had a, a frying pan and one had a bat, but my friend later told me that, no, I had a machete. And I was like, oh, God, that makes <laughs> oh it even God. worse. But I, I finally, I, I, thinking back, I, I just, I stress in the story, like, thank God we didn't find her right. because we would have killed her. Right. You know, like, not even, it, 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 we wouldn't even put two and two together that, okay, this is a, this is a woman. You, you see eyes in a closet. You know, you just react. It would be just out of fear. But because she was so good at evading us quietly, like we'd go in one room, she'd go in the other. Like that went on throughout the evening. She just kept moving. It was wild. Like, I I hope this person has, has, you know, gotten her life together and and has, you know, found a place to live. But she should also, she should teach tactics, you know, on a military level, you know, because... This is a ninja. Yeah. So like she may well that, still be living in that house based on the, the his, his mother has sold it. I know for a fact they would love it if she if she was so the people who people under the stairs kind of scenario. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. But. So I, I mean, I, I, I love the context and I love what you, sa- you sa- said about like, yeah, growing and evolving, you know, as a comedian mm-hmm. and like, so it is interesting. Do you think here's a question I like to ask, or at least I like to yeah. ask myself, so, because there are things that I have done in my comedy career that at the time I never would have imagined would be things that I'd look back on and think, oh, I wish I hadn't done that joke. And then, of course. and then there is, you know, then you're suddenly like, oh, right. I mean, I, right. there's one that I talk about a lot is like I used to have a routine about, um, because I used to be quite a chubby kid and then it was about a time in Australia where we were trying to get like, you know, obese kids to exercise and I had some joke about raising the speed limits around schools, school zones and like, you know, anyway, it was like I I thought it was a fun bit and it was kind of in the context of that I'd been a chubby kid myself and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you're you're allowed. You're allowed. I thought I was allowed. But like – Yeah, yeah, yeah. But looking back at the jokes, the – Less successful part of the joke was the bit about me being a chubby kid because I'm not a chubby person anymore. So, like, you know, you know, it's like that. You can tell the audience whatever you want to tell the audience, but like they they're also looking at you like on stage. And then the other thing is that the best part of the jokes were the mean jokes about like getting the kids to run fast in front of the schools and these sort of things, right? Like, sure. and so in retrospect, I look at that now and go, ah, oh, that's gross that joke, and I wish I had not done that joke. Um, 
And there's examples of that over, you know, my entire career. Like, you know, I, I wonder, I assume that there's probably something that I'm talking about now just based on this, right? There's some topic right. or some take or something that I'm talking about now that five yeah. years from now or 10 years from now, we're going to look back on and go, I can't believe you were making that joke or we were talking about that thing in that sort of way. Like I remember, mm. I, I will, I, so I remember when I first started in comedy, everyone had a joke about dwarves, I think, dwarves or midgets. Ah. I can't remember. It was like yeah. but some sort of like very derogatory sort of like it was yeah. comedic. The, the to midget like, was just like yeah. tossed around before he knew it was, you know, yeah. it dawned on us what a pejorative that is. Yeah. hundred percent. It was like yeah. a comedy punchline. Like, you know, so there yes. are these things that happen and then you're like, I can't believe that we like, if not, not just one person thought that was acceptable, but that was like a thing that everybody was like, you know, kind of, you know, joking about it. Do, do, do you think there's something we're doing at the moment that five years from now we'll look back on and go, whether it's you personally or the industry in general, is there something that you, I mean, it's hard to tell when you're in it. That's the, this is the challenging thing about this conversation is that like, it's hard to know while you're in it five years from now, we look back and go, Oh, it was that thing. But is there, I, you know, it's, it's hard. Nothing <laughs> I can think of I'm doing, but I yeah. do like, it's fun to skate near the edge and kind of make fun of it a little bit. You know, like I remember uh, when comedy kind of, quote unquote, came back uh, and we were doing like outdoor shows and stuff. And we were, you know, a couple months into the new year um, after the the January 6th insurrection. Uh I don't know if you heard about that, but that's a a thing that happened. (laughs) Quite internationally embarrassing, if I'm honest. No, no, Um, no. As an international, I can support your opinion on this. It was, yes. yes. I'm sure, yes. Uh, But we were, most of us were as surprised as you, by the way. Uh, But um, I I remember doing, I remember having this moment of, of just a really fun, boy, this joke is fucked up, but fun to do. In the moment uh, where I, I I basically said uh, I, that January sixth stuff, man, I, that was that was crazy, that was nuts, and it was just silence. It was this packed outdoor bar, silence, and I'm like, that was so nuts. And I just looked at this girl in the front row and went, I can't believe I got in right in the front. <laughs> Boom! And it was such a laugh. And it was like, and then I started inhabiting this thing of like, what if there was a guy? I was, I was like, yeah, I was there. I was like, hell yeah, Biden won. I am hammered drunk. And I see all these guys by the Capitol. And they got red hats on. I'm like, hell yeah, I love St. Louis. You know, because the St. Louis Cardinals is a baseball team here. And they all have red hats. Like, he's so drunk he doesn't realize. And he's just getting pushed through. He doesn't no idea what's going on. He's like, they're letting us in. Why is everyone yelling? And he's just so drunk. So... It, it, it was it, it was one of those things where it was kind of like it, it made me go, oh, I don't often mm. kind of take the hot button thing because I feel like it's just too – it's already been kicked around by every pundit on TV. Everyone's already talk- – I'd rather talk about something we're not talking about that gets your mind off that thing. But it re- boy, was it cathartic. So I think if anything, speaking from my perspective, people will give a different angle on stuff. That isn't like as if there's a conspiracy of thought, you know, but like an angle that no one's taken that's absurd or actually maybe tellingly real, but not mean, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes, you know it I mean? makes complete sense. I think that's a really okay. good example okay. because like, 
a bunch of things. Like, I mean, I'm just going to say the same things you said in a different order, basically. But okay, uh, <laughs> <Feel free>. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope you feel comforted by it because I understand entirely what you mean, which is that here's a hot button issue. Like, here's something that like mm. people are talking about and that everybody has talked about, and often then. The assumption is if you want to do something original, you have to avoid that topic. But that's not necessarily the case at all. Sometimes doing something original about that topic is just having an original take. And sometimes that's the most powerful thing is like if you can take something that everybody else seems to have had a take on and still manage to have a unique take on it, that is actually something really majestic to watch. So you've got this take like this that somebody else has just stumbled into this thing on the day and continues to stumble into it. It gives you an opportunity Mm -hmm. to commentate on something from the outside, but also while your character is on the inside of it. They're they're also caught up in the mob. It speaks to the idea that there are a whole bunch of people on January 6th who may well have just been caught up in the mob experience of what was happening. Like, I mean, on a general level, you don't think that every single person there was like a top-class thinker who was, you know, had really planned it through. A lot of them just got caught up in the idea of, yeah, we're marching on and we're going to break in and and we're going to like – so. you know, it speaks I, I to those of, things at, at the mm-hmm. same time. It's not, you know, like I think anyway. Yeah. I, I think there maybe was one guy up near the front who was like, what the, sh- what is this? Yeah. You know, like what's going on? <laughs> but I think there were a whole lot of people at the back that were yeah. going, oh, come, no, no, no. You know, <laughs> yeah. not most of them. I'm yeah. not saying, I'm not defending anybody who was there because it was all in, you know, you know, horse cocky, if you ask me, but like at the same time, you know, <laughs> I just think of those five or six people that were just like, well, I'm fiscally conservative. Yeah. I should probably go. Oh God, come on. You know, and they're just embarrassed and, and, you know, throwing their MAGA hats in the trash as they leave, you know, yeah, not, not I mean, that there were a lot of those. I, but. but I think there's always <laughs> going to be some of those. There's always going to be some of those people at Woodstock 99 who weren't Limp Biscuit fans and just were right. like, we're already here to see Rage Against the Machine. Let's just wander over and see what Limp Biscuit are like and see what the fuss is oh. about. And then some, oh, suddenly people are pulling down towers and burning shit, right? 100%. 100%. <laughs> I always, speaking of Woodstock, I always, the thing that I always think about when I think about that documentary about the original Woodstock was that guy got on the loudspeaker and was like, all right, attention, do not take the brown acid. Do do not take the brown. And there had to have been at least a dozen people who had just Just taken the brown brown acid. Yeah. Who were like, what color was that? (laughs) Would you say it was like a deep red, like a burnt, like a, was that, tell me that was burnt orange, Jacob. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Because you know it is like when you drop acid or you take mushrooms or something, you gotta be mellow. You gotta be yes. in a great frame of mind. You ha- you can't be scared. You can't be angry. It's a bad and <laughs> like because the guy didn't say why not. He didn't say what happened. He didn't say what happened to the person who took brown acid. Yeah. You know. No, no. no. This, he, this, he said. By the way, if you just started your trip on brown acid. <laughs> Some don't you shouldn't have done this. The rest don't, of it, the rest yeah. of it's up to your imagination of why you shouldn't have done it. But I I, if, I I guarantee the brown acid in your imagination will take care of the rest of this for you. Yeah, I really. I, and if you have taken the brown acid, I apologize for making it exponentially Heaps worse. worse. So much worse. That's the equivalent of like somebody coming up to you on acid and saying, my skin's really itchy. And your response is, that's because there's bugs all over you. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I had a friend who had a bit who's like, I, I like to go to Grateful Dead concerts just to walk around the audience and go, got your soul, and walk away. <laughs> just have some hippie chase him around screaming for a while. Give it back. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being at a um, a bar one night and I've walked in and my friends are around the pool table and uh, one of my friends, like, he's got two two of the, the, the black eight balls, right, and he's, like, putting them up, like, where his eyeballs would be. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, what's going on here? And so I go up to him and I said, what's going on? And he said, oh, the fella in the corners like dropped some acid. And so every time I talk to him, I just turn around with these giant black eyeballs. And he hasn't like worked out what I'm doing yet. And I was like, that is just so cruel. Like so, so cruel. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the the possibilities are endless, you know, when you find out someone's tripping, you know. Uh, Well, Matt, uh, thank you for doing this show. This has been so much fun. Um, This was a blast, man. Thank you you so much. When do you come to Australia? Like when have you ever been here to perform? Brother, I I, uh, I talk to my reps all the time about putting me. The, all I've done, I did the the Melbourne Festival in God, literally ten years ago. That would be. And I uh, did back you do headliners? Right? Is that what you I did? Headliners. headliners, yeah. Yes, yes, and I had I had an absolute blast. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's I, I got to go to some surrounding towns, but I've still never been to Sydney. I've never been to Perth. You know, uh, I would love to put together some sort of you know, uh, tour situation. The only problem is, you know, I have this two year old now, so it would have to be a kind of either, you know, a couple tight days strung together, or we all go for like, you know, a longer stretch. It's just, it's, it's just one of those things is just because it is, you know, so far away. But I, I, that, uh, week kind of lives in my mind because it, it is, it is a country culturally geared towards comedy if that makes any sense, because I, I just feel like people just, it, it's that part of Australians that just love to have a good time, but also, you know, a lot of it, I, 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 I ascribe as a, as an analogy to say Chicago where, you know, it's, you know, we call it big shoulders town and it's known for like the blues and prohibition and stuff. And, but of, in my mind, it's a place that loves a good time, but also a good discussion. And you have people who work, uh, very hard, but also think on a high level of intelligence. Does that make sense? And that culture, you know, I feel like I found in at least in the larger metropolitan areas of, of Australia, where people are, they're, they're down to listen, they're down for a good time, and they'll go with you. On, on on journeys that you take when you're on stage. Oh, yeah, like, I, All right, I agree. I'm, I'm locked in. I think your you know? I mean your comedy would do great here. Like everywhere here. Like oh, thank even you. in the places that like you know aren't maybe like part of that cultural conversation as much. I think your storytelling and your like stagecraft, like people would relate to you. And I do agree with you that there is in Australia an attitude of they'd find your version of being an American very 
like, you know, look, I mean, there is a slight racism against a certain type of Americans in this country. <laughs> and sure. Yeah, and, but you are not of that. Course. You're not, you're, you're not the sort of sure. person that people would immediately go, I don't like him. And I think it's because he's American. Like, you're not that sort of American. Sure. Like, well, do, do you notice, do you notice that I call, I, I called it Melbourne. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't decide to say Melbourne all of a sudden, which I find a lot of America. I feel like a lot of it is being yeah. you, like, it, Nobody likes when people are way too familiar, you know, and it's, 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 uh, yeah. that's one reason why black yeah. people don't like white people using the N word. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, a, that's, and, and that, to, yeah, that's to what, extrapolate to a large, that's what, a large when, version. It's like, when Americans say thing. Melbourne, we, we, that's like, we, that's our word. You, you, can't, yes, you can't say exactly. that. That's <laughs> correct. Yeah. It's like, I, who am I to adopt your accent? You know what I mean? It'd be like, I, if I, if I was, I was, I was telling the, the, the story of a, of a pub outside of farm, you know, in the countryside, you know, out, outside of say Perth or something. And everyone's like, you don't know shit about that. Why are you, why are you talking about that? You know, you're, you're falsely identifying where I, I, I think they're, Americans do have an international imperialism where the obvious version of it is the old bit of the guy who's walking around in a in an exotic, fascinating culture and country and going, is it too much to ask that these people speak English when I'm spending this kind of money like that? I am not that American. You know, I feel like I I'm a I'm a, 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 a student of life and of the world and a citizen of both things. And that's the most sincere thing I will say all day. But, you know, I just, I feel like it, you, you limit your comedy severely when you only look at it through one, you know, uh, let's say flag lens, which is a shame. But, but also <laughs> I, I love the idea, the observation that like, we don't need to be pandered to. And often, particularly, no. particularly with Americans, um, what I would say to most American comedians who visit is, like often when somebody goes – when I would go to America, I would have to relate. You know, there was only certain connections they have with what being an Australian is that I need sure. to connect first on that level before I can expand what that is. But if you are an American traveling to Australia, there is no need to do that because most like most people who come to your show in Melbourne – are more familiar with what it's like to be a New York Jew from watching Seinfeld than they are from what it's like to live in Darwin. Like, because they've, yeah. like, you know, they don't know what Darwin's like. They've never been to Darwin, right? Like, yeah. whereas they live that experience all the time because America's culture is the world's culture, you know. Like, when you, when you talk about Chicago, they can picture it in a way that if I talked about Townsville to a bunch of people in Sydney, they would be like, I don't really know what you're talking about. It's in North Queensland. Yes. But, you know. No, it, it, exactly. And, you know, I, nobody nobody likes to be uh, spoon-fed mm. where, you know, if I, if I bottom line, anytime I see a comedian, I just want to see the world through their eyes. It's like, let me forget about my life. I will laugh at the things that I identify with along the way if you find those. Otherwise, I'm 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 big enough to just strap in and go. Like what where are we going? Talk about it, you know. Tell me tell me what happened to you in this situation or or how you see a certain thing and um I, you, you don't have to I'm not going to relax more when you talk about a deli that lives that, that's like two two miles down the street from my house I I, I don't care there's a, there's an <laughs> Irish, the Irish comedian called Des Bishop and um, he did a show in Australia at the Gaelic Club and the idea was it was all Irish people and like some of the jokes were really specifically like either lines in Gaelic or like you know things that were really wow. specific to like 
Like it was just for Irish people, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't for wow. it was in Australia, but it was just for Irish people. And I okay. I went along to the show just because I was curious. I wanted to have a, a yeah. look at it, and Des is my friend, and um, I probably didn't understand thirty percent of it in language or in reference, but wow. in context, I understood ninety five percent of it. Like the fact the fact that I didn't need to know. That I, I couldn't exactly tell the name of the place or the person or the like even sometimes the line because the line would be delivered in a language I don't understand. I, I still think nine, I, 95% of it I understood entirely just from context and from, you know, the fact that like, uh, yeah, I get where this story's going and I kind of get like the way that people are reacting to the name of that town gives me some sense of what that yeah. might be or whatever. Like, you know, it, I haven't lost so much of it from not knowing what that one specific shop is or that like you don't need to change like I remember Chris Rock when he came to Australia last had some joke about American football that like in Melbourne when I saw him he changed to like Australian rules football and in like Queensland he changed to rugby league football and I was not satisfied with either of those changes. I was just oh, like, really? we, I was like we all know American football man it's like a big game just do the yeah. joke like the way the joke mm-hmm. is. This bit, it makes me feel, I don't like it. I feel uncomfortable yeah. with what you've done here. You, because, I, yeah, because, because I know you yeah. don't know AFL football or rugby exactly. league. That's the problem. Exactly. Right? Yes, yes, yes. <coughs> I, I, it, it, that's exactly it where it's, it's, it is, you know, with respect to Chris. It oh, yeah, is, I it mean, is, yeah, it, is, it doesn't need to no, be but said, it, but yeah. I'm saying, yeah, it is, it is pandering. You know, it yeah. is this thing of like, let me tell you the way you'd understand, but it's like, we, we already have that. Yeah. We already have that, you know, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, the, the the identification is there. Like they'll they'll get it. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's no need for me to say, you know, football, but I do I mean yours or mine? Which one? You know, yeah. like, okay. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. You know? <laughs> that was my favorite when I was in the US and I would always my my you know, I'm a bumpkin who doesn't know what I'm talking about. And the my my big tell was um ice hockey. Because we call it ice hockey in Australia, like what Americans yeah. call hockey, right? And hockey. like and hockey, we like field hockey is like what we call hockey. So if you say hockey in Australia, you're referring to like field hockey, and oh, wow, and okay. like so ice hockey is yeah you know, what Americans. So I mm-hmm. could never shake that one. If I was referring to like what Americans call hockey, I would like always say ice hockey, and everyone would be like, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, I think like ice hockey, like I know what you mean. Yeah, at least. <laughs> yeah right. It's, it sounds fancier <laughs> to me. You, you sound uh, a, a more elegant man, you know. Uh, but it's like, but at the same time, the reference is not lost. It's, yeah. it's, it's it sounds like a bit of an affectation. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, I had, I had, I had a, a, a running bit with a friend of mine, another comedian, where we had like we had made up affectations, where it was like her her shirt flew off, and I could see her tit breasts. You know, like this, like you just combined two words for the same. <laughs> it's how they say it where I grew yeah. up. Yeah, but... <laughs> uh, well, Matt, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, your new album special piece of work is called Doug. 
um, people can find that. But they can also, like, you've got a whole bunch of other stuff. That, so if this is the first time that they've, you know, discovered you and they want to go and, like, dis- like so much of your stuff is available. You've got albums. You've got all yep. sorts of, yep. like, you know, stuff that people can find and look for. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything, I mean, obviously the new album is ex- what we're, you know, focusing on at the moment. But is there anything else that you would point people towards? Like, if you, like you know, give me your, like, if someone's new to you, and the, okay. you know, and they're like, okay, great. Well, he's got a new album. That's probably his newest stuff and his freshest stuff. So I'll start there. What what mm-hmm. what do they do second? Second, I would say, kind of uh, work your way backwards. Go to a uh, 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 special album, special last album I did called "Finally Live in Portland," which is kind of a joke because it's where I'm from and I'm been live there a billion <laughs> times. Um, and then before that, I have a, a special called "Big Dumb Animal" that. Um, I feel like that's the one that's been watched the most, at least. Um, uh, but those those are the three I'm proudest of. Before that, I have Shovel Fighter. And before that, I have an album um, called Soak Up the Night that I also I really love. But I, you know, I, I just don't think those are collectively as strong because anytime someone, you know, it's funny, a girl backstage was talking, a female comedian was talking to a male comedian and she was like, oh, I, I really uh, dug your special. I like the clips. And we were all laughing because it's like, that's what comedians watch. It's like, I'm not going to watch a whole other comedian special. Yeah, you're mine. Why would I do that? I hate other comedians, which isn't true. I do. I really love comedians. But, you know, it's it's anytime someone is when someone's like, hey, I just watched Doug again. I'm like, I should send you a thousand dollars like that's Amazing. That's so for you to spend that kind of time. You know, so, you know, I, th- they're not going anywhere. They're around. Uh, a lot of my stuff got um, yanked off of Spotify and Pandora and other s- sites because there are active lawsuits, not by me, for people with uh, back catalogs. And they were just like, well, why don't we fire all of them? So that's kind of but, you know, you can still find all those things. Uh, you could either buy the albums or, you know, you know, there's other ways to I mean, help bootleg them i don't care if people are enjoying my stuff you know <laughs> it's fine uh we lo- logical is uh, my show is on abc iview for australian uh viewers it went out on broadcast tv uh last week and um uh it is available on abc iview uh for a while for free so if people want to have a look at that they can do that um and uh i have a new book out is called i am not fine thanks uh I-, I would love if people would buy that that would be great um, uh, Matt, uh, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I am going to ask you a question. Um, people are sick of me. I'm, I've got to tell you something. They're sick of me already <laughs> talking about this and it's all I can fucking talk about, which is that I have, okay. I have got off social media. And, um, cool. so I still exist there. Like as in my management still run my like public accounts and stuff. So sure. like it's, sure. you know, people are still going to be able to find clips and plugs and all those sort of things. But I personally Great. am no longer the person like you're yeah, handling my social media, but I'm also not on social media in any form. I haven't come up with like a burner account or like I'm not secretly lurking in the background of conversations. I have stepped away from the the computer in that sense and uh, I am living yeah. my life outside the social media world. And the only downside of it is that I have become one of those people who cannot stop telling people how good it is to be off social media. So I just I put that proviso before I ask you this question. Where can people find yes. you on social media? <laughs> I, I am uh, at, at Bronger on Instagram, at Bronger on Twitter for as long as that lasts. 
<laughs> and then, um, you know, uh, Real Matt Bronger on TikTok. I'm sadly on that one. And um, But you can go to mattbronger.com and find anything and everything and all the links and all that jazz. And I and uh, Doug is on YouTube, I should say. So hopefully that's accessible. I know they change the rules per country. But, um, you know, if someone's listening in, in mainland China, maybe you can't get it. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I think it's pretty much everywhere else. Far, far as I know, far as I know. I, but, would, um, I would love the idea that there's a place that they can get this podcast, but they can't get your special. <laughs> like they're, they're like, no, oh. no, it's fine with this. We're fine with him talking about it. We, we sure. just don't want to see it. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> be, I would love it. There's a glitch that yeah. yours is the only podcast that's available in the Western world where it's like, wait a minute. Uh, why, I mean. <laughs> why this? It just slipped through the algorithm. It was just too confusing. We couldn't work out what it was to categorize yeah. it. The, 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 the guy in the Bureau of Censorship was just, he, was, he had a heavy lunch and yeah. he napped or like when yours came up. Just, like, I mean, I love the idea that you would just become the most popular something in somewhere just by like an error, you know, because there is always, oh, there's always like an algorithmic error. There is that, like every program has something built into it where there can be a bug or something can happen. You hear about somebody ending up with a million dollars in their bank account because something went wrong. Like no matter how, right. no matter how good the fail safes are in these things, there's always a moment where something slips through. The idea that you would just become the biggest English-speaking podcast in China because just some glitch oh meant my God. that, like... Oh, my God. It got through when we Amazing. <laughs> I, I hope that happens. And then it's just... that Not only your podcast becomes the biggest thing, but... It, it ferments an yeah. even larger revolution yeah. where there's a small, uh, uh, now I wouldn't say splinter group, but whatever a good version of a splinter group would be, where all they want to see is Doug. Mm. They just want to see the special. <laughs> and they're right. just like, they're, they're, just, uh, the they're, they're, just, yeah, they're just destroying it's, Dougites. It's, it's they're destroying they're, televisions. Yeah. You know, on the streets in protest as a as a as a symbolic gesture. They think my name yeah. is just Doug, mm. just Doug by itself. They like all I'd like to think they all change their own name to Doug. Like it becomes like a you know we are Legion, you know, like anonymous stuff thing. Where they yeah. like yeah. I am like I am Spartacus. I am Doug. I am Doug. It's like, <laughs> they're like they're like Negan on The Walking Dead. I'm Doug. I'm Doug too, you know, but in a, in a good way of solidarity, like Spartacus, I'm Doug. No, I am Doug. I am Doug. We are all Doug. 